You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to another fabulous episode of Dear Multi-Hyphenate. I'm your host, Michael Kushner, and if you're joining me for the first time, I'm an actor, photographer, producer, writer, and podcaster. You guessed it, a multi-hyphenate. A few things before we start this incredible episode with El Morgan Lee. I'm helping 54 Below reopen with my show, Michael Kushner Sings His Hits for Pride. And let me tell you, <laughs> it's bringing up some stuff. It's been three years since I've been on stage for longer than one or two songs. Originally, I had thought my upcoming 54 Below show was pure camp, pure caricature, joke after joke. What I've discovered is I don't have an interest to make it as outrageous as I intended. There's a lot more truth, a lot more honesty, and a lot more simplicity. I'm heading into my 30s, and I guess I just don't want to try that hard when putting together an hour of material. Not not because I don't want to, but because I don't need to. I am enough. Hell, I put a, on a show every day, day after day in my studios. I, I can add a few songs in, in there and, you know, put on a nice outfit. <laughs> I'm not nervous. I can't be or I'll psych myself out. I've had this whole haven't performed in a year thing perfected like times three. And I'm praying to whoever is listening that it is indeed like getting back on a bike. I'm focused on building a show that I've I've done in the bedroom or the car, something that when no one is watching, I've created for myself. The songs that when I'm sad or terrified or anxious brings me joy and comfort and humor. Those are my hits. My hits are the songs I can call upon when I need to heal. And now it's time to share that. I have no interest in being perfect, but I do have an interest in getting it right. And the more I think about the show, the less I get it right. Doing what you know is important, especially when it's only you up there. You can't bullshit a bullshitter. Anyway, thank you for listening to my very vulnerable rant about my my creating of, of my 54 Below show. But I really do hope that you come. It is June 30th at 9.45 p.m. Tickets are available on the 54 Below website. I, I'm so excited to celebrate Pride. It's going to be absolutely fabulous, and I would love to see you there. And speaking of pride, happy pride! As we celebrate our rights that we fought for, remember it was all started by trans women of color. We owe everything to Marsha P. Johnson, Sylvia Rivera, and the trans women of color we are constantly standing on the shoulders of. Please remember that when celebrating this pride. And be safe. Wear a mask, get vaccinated, and drink some water. All right, let's get this episode started. Elle Morgan Lee is an Obie Award-winning actress, theater maker, and photographer. She is most known for her performance in the Pulitzer Prize-winning musical A Strange Loop, which garnered her Lucille Lortel nomination and the distinction of being the first openly transgender actress to originate a role in a Pulitzer Prize-winning piece of theater. Most recently, L. Morgan was cast to portray artist Lily Elbe in a British musical adaptation of the novel The Danish Girl being workshopped in the UK. She is also developing a new play entitled The Women, which was seen in Ars Nova's 2021 Vision Residency. Other credits include new works with the Long Wharf Theatre, Baltimore Center Stage, Fifth Avenue Theatre, Musical Theatre Factory, and more. Elle Morgan is dedicated to being a part of work centering underrepresented voices on both stage and screen. 
For more, visit lmorganlean.com. And now, let's get on with the episode. And as always on Dear Multi-Hyphenate, we start each conversation out with a quote. And I didn't need to search far and wide for a quote because it is actually in my guest's bio. And this quote is, she needed a hero, so that's what she became. And I am so excited to welcome L. Morgan Lee. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Michael? I'm 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 so great now that we're chatting. I love chatting with you. Oh, ditto. I Likewise. Really, I really do. I think you're so special and I always learn so much in your presence. And did you write that? Did you write that quote? I wish I did. I heard it like randomly on uh I think I read it on Instagram somewhere and I think that I've traced it back to it being used in Wonder Woman. Um, so I was like, you know what, that's fine. I'm going to use it too, because it says everything I need to say. So I, I love that a lot. You know, I'm a huge proponent of the why statement, understanding like what as artists, especially as we make WH. Oh yes. What as, as, what as artists? What as, yes, (laughs) she went to Ithaca college. She knows, she, she knows how to, how to speak. Um, but, uh, I am a huge proponent of the why statement and and having that propel the choices that we make as artists. So I really try to pay attention to those quotes. Um, what does that mean to you? What does that quote mean to you? It It is quite literal for me in so many ways. Um, I am someone who did not grow up truly seeing myself fully represented. Um, and even into my adult years and becoming more vocal about being trans, I, I still have yet to really see that hero that I needed to sort of look up to that was doing specifically what I want to be doing um, in the ways that I want to be doing them. Um, so I... It just it speaks quite literally to me. It's it's that I needed that hero. I wish I'd had that hero there so that I could have seen that certain things were possible. But because I didn't, I want to sort of do my part to try to be that for also, you know, someone else, some other girls out there watching. And I would love to be like a source for her to be able to look at as well. That's beautiful. Uh, the you know, I I feel so um so lucky and honored to have uh such strong members of lgbtqia plus community surround me um Mm. i and you're you're one of them you you i i i see you are a superhero in my eyes and on top of being a multi-hyphenate the way that you navigate the world as l morgan lee is is so effortless and impactful and I love seeing you on stage and I love hearing your voice. How has being a multi-hyphenate sort of influenced or affected negatively, positively, whatever it is, um, your experience as a trans woman? Hmm. Uh, I, (laughs) I think that all of the sort of pieces of the multi-hyphenate per se um, have played so much into just really helping me to find the fullest version of myself. Um, I often say that my camera showed me who I am. 
Wow. And, and, and that's, that's, I mean, it's one of those things where like, you know, I, I started doing photography kind of just out of a need to express myself in a way that I could say whatever I want to. And anyone else's responses about it had to do all with them and not with me. Um, so one of my best friends at the time said to me, if someone wanted to get to know you, all they have to do is just look at all of your photography. Like if they just look at all of your pictures sort of as a, as a, as a collection of, of images, it tells people who you are and like not the version necessarily that you would first meet them as. Like it's the version of you that they'd have to get to know. Um, and so it's interesting because in sessions with people, I, I'm someone who definitely wants to sort of get beneath the hood of the car in so many ways. And it's something that I, I mean, it's something I do as an actor. It's something I do just sort of period. Whenever I meet people, I want to know who you actually are as opposed to what the the shiny exterior shows. Mm -hmm. um, so I started thinking to myself, like, who are you when, <laughs> when, when someone, you know, takes down all the walls and all the, the barriers who is at the core of who you are? When are you the most powerful? When do you feel the strongest? When do you feel the most in your in your zone? And that is actually what sort of spiraled into me becoming vocal about gender. Um, and that's and it's crazy because it's not something. It's something that I definitely had had. Um, I think I'd had lots of um, mind things going on for many years, quite frankly. Uh, but. It was the first time I was able to really focus in in a way that I could uh, sort of get into the doorway of thoughts mm. to start to like to start to clear things up for myself, because otherwise it just seemed like a room full of question marks and lots of things around me. And it was just there's no I don't even know where to start. Um, but that question helped me to really focus in on who are you? When do you and it's a simple it's when do you feel the most in your skin? When do you feel the most yourself? And I, I couldn't run away from the answer. I just knew I wasn't living it. Wow. It, I love that, you know, you were both photographers and you, you're such an incredible photographer. And it's true what your friend said. It's it, if I want to know anything about you, I just have to look at your photos. You're, you're, you're so it's your eye is so beautiful. Uh, the way that you tell stories through photography is, is so admirable and um, in, inspirational. You know, I, in order, I feel in order to be an artist, it also comes with um, activism in order for us to be able to take space today. Mm -hmm. uh, we ha If we're going to take space, then we have to be able to fill it um, <laughs> with some, uh, with purpose. Sure. And, uh, you know, I'm not good with my words all the time, I, especially when I'm put in the spotlight. Like, uh, especially when it has to do with other people's lives, like I relate to what you said about the, the photo, about photography. And if there's anything you want to know about L. Morgan Lee, you look at a, at a photograph that she took and I sort of relate to that in photography in like what's happening now, now that there's mm. the, um, the conflict in the Middle East with Israel and Palestine and how it's, we're able to uh, denounce a government and to criticize a government without, sub without subscribing to anti-Semitism. Right. And I'm having trouble finding the words to explain, to, to share my experience, but there's a photo 
um, that as a photographer, as a Jewish photographer, that really sort of propels me. And that's, um, Mm. there's a photo taken by a Jewish photographer of Goebbels, who is Hitler's right-hand man. And the number one guy behind all like the Nazi propaganda and the photo that was taken was Goebbels in that, in that frame finds out that the photographer is Jewish. Hmm. And I feel that that is a, I know. And I feel like that is, and you see the hate in his eyes. And I feel like that that is, that's how I can express myself today as a photographer, as a Jewish photographer, and I think that's why photography is so important and propels my multi my, my hyphens. So mm-hmm. how for you, how has photography helped you connect with the world around you? Oh my gosh. Well, it's it's it is our way of showing the world how we see it. Mm-hmm. Um I think that there's there is no more intimate way to say something than just to show it. Um, and, and again, then, then to allow people to interpret what that is, but I, I think it's more interesting. It's more interesting for me to see kind of how people take things that I shoot. Um, and it's one of the reasons why, you know, in terms of like how much, in terms of like the type of photography, for instance, I'm doing, I know that like, um, my, my, the, the things I like to shoot the most are like not actor HUD shots, for example. Um, so like, I know that like, I, I cannot wait to get to a point which I believe is coming very soon um, where number one, I'm not doing headshots anymore, period. Um, and the only thing that I'm really shooting is just the, it's just the portraiture and sorts, sorts of uh, content that I just really, that my heart is into fully. Um, because the thing is I enjoy doing headshots in a way of getting to know people. Uh, and it's it's kind of a cool way to share with the world how I see the person in front of me. Um, but my heart is is in is more entrenched in the work that there are no there are no sort of straight lines around. Um, and I think that's the that's the reason I picked up the camera to begin with is I needed something that was not structured. And I think that our business sort of it's like headshots can be very much can be very much a like a survival job that is a joy and a pleasure to do. Um, But there's so much structure around it because we don't get to just take whatever picture we want to and have that be the headshot. There's some flexibility now that, you know, people use for like press shots and stuff. Mm -hmm. But, but even in that capacity, it's like, I'd rather just, I, I, my favorite sessions are ones where I could just go, we're just going to play around. I don't know what we're going to get, but we'll see. And that's when you always, it's like when you're truly in a space where you don't have any stakes, you really can just create. Um, and so it's those are the, I can't wait to do more of that. I think that's the stuff that will, um, like those are the images that I've taken that allow me to sort of see the most of who I am. I don't know if that answered your question whatsoever, actually. but <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it does. And I love your philosophy on your photography because it's it's so incredible how you can put two photographers in the room or you know virtually mm-hmm. and um talk about their points of views on photography in the industry and like mm-hmm. it's so amazing how you and I have I'm just learning this about you that like you actually want to that you want to uh move away from the headshot photography 
That's so interesting to me. I actually did not know that. No um, one really. I was like, probably no one does because people people recently have assumed that I stopped because I haven't really been showing as much there. But that's part of the reason is because I'm slowly sort of I'm slowly pulling away from that. I do think that like headshots are um, like I enjoy doing them and I would I would still take headshots of people that I was just doing portrait sessions kind of things with. I just don't. Um, my mission has always been I wanted to do a gallery show. Wow. And so the type of it's like when I what I'm doing with my camera, I really want to be more in terms of I want it to be more in as far in the fine arts world as I can. Um, and, and as far away from theater as possible. Wow. Because that's not necessarily um, because I'm I so the type, I guess the type of multi-hyphenate I am is I I need to really clearly be able to compartmentalize what version of myself is being put into what thing. So like I, I think that those things all together help me to find um a clearer picture of myself, but I know like when I need this, when I need, you know, if I'm hungry for fruit, then I'll go and buy an apple or some oranges. If I'm hungry for meat, then I'll get a hamburger or I'll get chicken here. Like, I feel like I need to kind of have very clear sources to get what I need. Um, and those things together help me to feel fulfilled. Um, so in terms of like photography, I notice if I have not been doing a lot of like just free form kind of things, I feel like I'm being worked to the bone. As opposed to if I'm getting to just do lots of just casual sessions and that sort of thing, um, I feel very like um, um, satiated in that in that area. I want to backpedal for one second because sure. there's a lot. I've never of, really talked about this stuff this way, so this is fun. I love that. No, I'm so I'm so I, I'm so happy that we get to talk about this, especially as two photographers. Um, you know, instead of dueling pianos, it's dueling photographers now, and I. <laughs> But that's also the other thing before I backpedal is that I feel absolutely no, uh, there's no, at least in my opinion, there's no contention really between the New York photographers. I think what we all do is very unique and different and our approaches absolutely. are unique and different. And what sort of happens in that way is like, you know, um, one client will get like, you know, a L. Morgan Lee shot for a very specific reason and then mm -hmm. will come to me for a very specific reason. It has to do with approach. It has to do with mindset. It has to do with, with style. It has to do with so many things that mm -hmm. it's sort of, it's sort of, um, I feel like at first it's easy to be like, well, why didn't they come back to me? Or like, yeah, or, uh -huh. they had, or they had emailed me, like, why didn't they actually follow through? Did I do something wrong? But then when I actually put on my actor shoes again, and I'm like, what go? What is the checklist I go through when photographing with someone? Does that mm -hmm. you can photograph with someone whenever you can photograph someone a month in between? You can photograph with someone four years in between. So mm -hmm. once we take that, once I take off that um, judgment on myself, it's it's much easier to be able to support other photographers. But when I was you know backpedaling, when I talk with a lot of artists that are trying to advocate for themselves and trying to take the next step in the specificity of their careers. Okay. What is the risk for you to now stop putting your headshots on Instagram? What is, what is at stake there in this transition? Uh, and what did you, how did you come to realize that that's the sort of next step that you need to take. Sure. Um, 
Hmm. So I, well, A, I have not fully done that, um, but I don't really post a lot of sort of specifically headshot types of things on Instagram just because um, I'd rather people know me as a headshot person just sort of by by ear and by word of mouth um, as opposed to it being very formal. Um, just because, I mean, here's that conversation about like branding, um, but right. it's, it's, it's that my branding is as an actress first. So as I notice sort of some steps and things sort of growing in that area towards what I want, ultimately, I know that in so many ways, I kind of have to close other doors. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like I, the, you know, the, the group of ladies that I would love to be in circles with in terms of acting, you can't just, you know, go on the website and book them for headshots. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I have to, I have to, we have to, it's like, I have to keep in mind that like perception is so much in our business right. that, um, that it is in my best interest to be more, to be as, as specific as possible about sort of who I am in terms of, and sort in terms of being a product. That- if I am the product, the product is an actress and she also takes portraits and she, you know, she, she makes theater and she makes like, so there's, there's things that, but the, the core of that is that she's an actress. So the more, um, I'd love it. I'd love to be in a, I'd love to be in a situation where, you know, Elle Morgan is in a film and is on a TV series and you, you see an article in a magazine where you find out that she takes these portraits from her apartment. Like, it's <laughs> like, it's like, that's kind of thing. We're like, Oh, I didn't realize that she did that. Like, I'd rather it be more in that direction as opposed to, cause I think that for some people it's very like the multi hyphen, it's all kind of work together to push in so many ways. Mm-hmm. I think for me, just, just in terms of like where, just in terms of where I'm feeling, like I do have, I, I'm, I'm a little loopy and I have like, I'm a very energy based person. <laughs> so I feel like there has been some momentum in terms of, um, in terms of the acting side of things that I, I really want to take advantage of as much as possible because again, she needed a hero. So that's what she became. Um, and I think that that sort of types of build, that, that kind of visibility, um, it's just going to be really helpful for girls like me. And so I, I really want to make sure that um, I can push that sucker as far as I can. I want to go as far as I can with that so that you can so that then you can find out the other layers and the other things um, once, you know, I'm in a certain place. But um, I just want to be very clear to sort of if someone's just looking in for the first time that she's an actress. Perception really is extremely important in this industry. Yeah, it's and it makes it difficult. It makes it difficult, especially if you're someone who enjoys their their multi hyphen, their their different things that they do. It it makes it really tricky to start to have to kind of compartmentalize those things so that you can make sure that the the front facing image is one of those things. And that was that was a conversation I had with myself was that like I actually you know my hyphens the other hyphens other than performance bring me just as much joy as performance so mm-hmm. if I invest in those things then I'm like okay well I got myself a a pretty good situation here and the things that I'm drawn to anyway as a performer I w- I have not been finding in the industry happen absolutely so I'm sort of like well then I have to tap into my hyphens to create that work mm-hmm. that the way that I want to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So it's sort of this like double-edged sword of like, I love, I love that you were like, what women do I want to be in the, on the same, in the same room with and around Mm -hmm. the same table. And like, you won't book them for a headshot session. I think that is incredible. And I just wish that everyone listening to this podcast walks away with the specificity for their career as that, because there are some people, some multi-hyphenates like myself that I'm sort of like that, that I was there once, um, but now I'm not. So who are the people that I would want to be around a table with in regards to like the model of what I would base a career off of, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't matter because there's no wrong answer. Right. And that might, just, and it may change at any point too for you. It's just one of those things where it's like you have to kind of go where your heart and spirit are leading you. You just have to know also mm-hmm. in that moment and decide in that moment. And if those women that you're surrounding with, they you're surrounding yourself your, yourself with, if they are of a certain you know stature and or that I want to surround myself, with. That, <laughs> I haven't quite done it yet. But. You, uh, see, that's I'm the close. Thing. I'm close. In my mind, well, they're there. I mean, they're. Kind of, it's, it's funny because some of them actually are. They, I, I mean, strangely, I am. Yeah, some of them are there. Some of them are in those circles. Um, but I, I don't know how much of that is in my head as opposed to, <laughs> as opposed to actually kind of on paper to other people. Just because I'm your biggest fan, I think that you're, <laughs> you're, you're. But can can just because I am also energetically like with you can you put out into the universe on dear multi-hyphenate the women that you do want to surround yourself with oh well i mean i would love to have i'd love to have you know a felicia rashad on my on my in my phone book in my my uh cell phone i'd love to have an audra moment in my these these are people that i would love to have sort of in my in my phone people that I would love to be in a position where we feel comfortable enough that I can like just shoot a, shoot a quick text over and say, Hey girl, just thinking about you want to say, want to say hi. Like I, it's, it's just being able to have community that I, that I look up to and that whose work I so greatly respect and who I know have sort of paved out careers that were not easy to pave out and have, um, have, become successful in a world that did not see them um that did not that become successful in a world that did not give them the kinds of opportunities that they could have gotten and they still were successful on top of all that stuff i think of someone like felicia rashad who is like mind-blowingly wonderful actress um and yet has to me truly has not had the career that she should have had um, we don't talk about, we don't use her name nearly enough. Uh, you know, she, she was known for things. You know, why, you know, why didn't, why didn't Claire Huxtable win an Emmy award? These are, it's like, there's lots of things there that I'm like, these, these women have, have stood the test of time. They've worked consistently. They've, it's been about craft to them. Um, and as a result, you know, the things that came to them were wonderful, but I just, I, it would be really great to have some of those kinds of minds just in my phone book to in some ways to in some ways keep me grounded as well to keep me really like clear on understanding that this is a this is definitely a marathon and it's not something that happens overnight it's not this is not a fast situation it's a marathon this takes time and this takes patience and i i 
I don't know. I would just love to have some of those people. It's it's one of those things where like if I see lists of things go around or like lots of names listed places, there are a couple of names that I look for. And like and those are some of them. It's it's the Audra McDonald. It's the Felicia Rashad. It's Viola Davis. It's it's these women who have really um, who have just really excelled <laughs> um, in spite of a world that, like I said, doesn't really see them fully as full as the world could see them. That's beautiful. Um, you talk about community. Mm -hmm. How have, how has the community around you, how, ha how have you seen, because when I talk with artists, mm -hmm. community is so incredibly important. Is, you know, this life and this industry is way too lonely Absolutely. for us to disregard the idea of community. Mm -hmm. How has community supported you, disappointed you, fed your spirit? How has community affected you hmm. um, as an artist? Yeah. I think that I realize as I'm having this conversation that I compartmentalize lots of things in my life because I have because I have different I have different communities that serve different purposes for um, I have. I think community is, number one, a lifeline for me in so many ways, because I'm an only child. I, you know, I live alone. I'm a little bit of an introvert, truly. Um, and so these things are um, I need to have people that I feel close to. And I don't open up very, I don't open up very easily with people. Um, I'm very good at, I'm very good at giving the appearance that I am more open than I am. Um, and I think that the people who are closest to me sort of know that, know that like, this is Elle Morgan that she introduces to people. And then this is Elle Morgan. <laughs> this is the rest of Elle Morgan. Um, and so I, I, I need those people who see like the fullest picture. Um, so it's been useful and, and a lifeline and a blessing to have community. Um, I have, you know, a community of, of trans women who are like over 50. There's a, there's two or three girls that I, uh, they, they've taught me so much just without even, without even knowing that they're teaching me, they're constantly teaching me, um, I think that within the photography community, that's a little tricky for me um, because I tend to my my I tend to be more around models than photographers in the photography sort of communities. Um, and it's interesting that earlier you said like the New York photographers don't really have like issues with each other. I think within the headshot folks and within the like theatery based photographers, that might be more true than with the photographers that are regularly dealing with like agency models because a lot a lot of those are not the most supportive of each other um, <laughs> and are are very like um, territorial with the people that they shoot um, and because I, I I remember reaching out to a couple people because I really respected their work and really loved what they were doing and I'm like I'm an actress like I this is not something I'm looking to you know I'm not I'm not looking to steal your thunder like I'm an actress like I want to be able to do this and live my life and do this but like you're selling art and you're doing all these big things I'm not doing that uh, so I re I reached out to a couple different people and like none of them responded to me 
Mm-hmm. Um, and like two of them, I actually heard because we because the world is very small and because we end up shooting a lot of the same models. Um, and so two of them in sessions with me were like, I mentioned you in my shoot. And he, the photographers, uh, each of these guys, um, they, they, what, one of them was like, oh, I've seen her stuff. Like, yeah, whatever. And then the other one was like, um, yeah, I, I, she, she always shoots the people that I'm shooting. I don't know what, I don't know what it is. I mean, I mean, I feel like she's reached out trying to like get my secrets and I'm like, (laughs) I, there are like, what secrets would I be trying to get from you? I, it's more a matter of you've been doing this for 25 or 30 years and I really respect your work and like would just would just love to like grab coffee. I'm not looking to get your because to me also, if you've been if you're a photographer to me, the first thing that you understand is that we could both be in the same session and take completely different pictures because we both see the world in very different ways. Mm-hmm. So we can have the same light set up the same. We literally could have the exact same thing there. And our pictures would be very different just because we see the world differently. I can't steal your thunder because I don't see the world the way you do. Um, so community in terms of photography has been a little tricky um, and mostly model based, which is is great. But I would love to have had a few more um, photographers. I have one or two, but I would love to have a, a couple more photographers that were like really like all about um, like editorial work and that kind of stuff, because I would love to have seen a little bit more of I'd love to have played a little bit more in that area. Um, at this point, I don't really have the time to do that. Um, but like in the moments when I did, that would have been really helpful. Or when I do in the future, for all I know, that would be really helpful. Um, yeah, again, I'm rambling and I'm not sure that I answered your question. You're not rambling at all. <laughs> it's so funny that you you know, you know brought up the contention. It's like while New York photographer headshot crew. Oh, they're in the headshot crew too a little bit though. It's Right. So I do want to like, I do want to touch on that just a little bit, because like, while I don't think it's contentious, it is territorial. Absolutely. It's super territorial. And like, I, I don't follow like friends of mine that are photographers, because I know that if I see a client, like if I know that if I like see a client, like what I was talking about before, like yeah, you feel what, the sting, of course. I do feel the sting, and like I can have that conversation with myself, being like, "Oh, it's about experience. It's just I get it. I totally get it." But as a photographer, it definitely stings because we're artists. Uh, we're artists, and we want to be able to build that community. But also, like, so sometimes I don't, I don't follow certain photographers not because I don't support you but because I know that that's going to protect me. That's my mm-hmm. boundary. That's my mm-hmm. personal boundary. Mm-hmm. Um. But, uh, you know, and also it's with new photographers, it's really interesting because I've had quite a few people ask if they can come and sit on a session. Mm -hmm. And it's fun. It's that's awkward for me. It's certainly awkward for me as well. And like I say no for quite a few reasons. I Mm -hmm. go, I think like that is the very easy way to sort of become a photographer I think like to just like, (laughs) sure, sure, you know, watch someone take notes by the equipment and then like start shooting. (laughs) Me too. I'm a photographer now. Right. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. When I got a camera and I learned it and I figured out how to make a mountain out of a molehill with lighting Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and 
you know, and then go, okay, well, if I get that lighting source, maybe that means this. Years of understanding my yeah. lens and yeah. my camera, yeah. you know, and I get the, um, I get the inquisitiveness, but then there's also on sitting in on a session, the magic that happens with a photographer and its client. Mm-hmm. What if the client doesn't, the client's not going to know the person sitting in and is expecting exactly. to. So I turn it on its head and I go, no, that can't happen. But what you can do is you can photograph me. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> and then um, what happens is they do a session for me and I give them feedback in the moment. Interesting. And then I usually, and then I pay them. I throw them like a hundred bucks or something. And I go, that actually is the biggest lesson. Once I learned my lesson, once I learned my camera, um, I didn't know when to start charging people. I didn't That's know. Adorable. So That's I'll... like the sweetest thing. I'm <laughs> like, that... I've never heard that before in my life. That's the sweetest way of doing that. Well, you know, and also and you so, get some pictures out of it <laughs> and I get pictures out of it, which is important. Like there are a bunch of lessons there. Like maybe you need to take time and figure out your camera before you start like sitting in in sessions or asking, like take time and figure out your lens, take mm-hmm. time to figure out your voice. And then like also know when it's appropriate to start asking for money, money. and start charging sure. people. I think that is, what do you have to say to younger artists that don't, that might not know their um their worth just yet when did you start to find your your worth on uh, uh in charging for any any service any artistry that you have not just photography but all of your your hyphens mm, i am not the best at that um <laughs> money 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 is such a it's such a leave it on the coffee table as you leave thing for me it's it's wow. so it's such a weird subject i'm getting better i'm getting better um on the acting side of it um but in terms of photography i mean i, I think that Because quite frankly, even my rates now could be, <laughs> I could be charging more than I do. It's just, I, I, I want to look out for the artists who don't have a lot of money. Um, it's like, I want to look out for, look, there is a photographer who is one of the big names in the headshot game, who at this particular point was charging, I believe it was 13 or 1400 bucks for headshots. And this photographer said in an interview when someone when someone asked, uh, your headshot sessions are pretty they're pretty expensive. They're, you know, you know, they're over a thousand dollars. Like, you know, how do you feel about that? Most actors don't really make that much to be able to pay that. And this photographer's response was, if you can't pay fifteen hundred dollars for headshots, you're not an actor. And it just it sent like like fire through my body thinking of the number of like some of the best actors I know who have not made, who have not been able to make money enough to pay for 1500 bucks in headshots in years because of whatever reasons they're not being seen. They don't have representation or whatever the case, but the fact that they are doing lots of projects, but they don't have, they don't have enough to be able to swing 1500 bucks for a headshot. So for this person who is dealing directly with actors on a regular basis, like overbooked and overbooked to be able to say, you're not an actor. If you can't pay $1,500 for headshots, 
is it was like crazy to me. And so I, I never wanted to turn into that. And I think as a result of that, I, I've always sort of tried to keep myself in a place where I know that I'm being compensated fairly um, and not sort of taking advantage at all. Um, and I think that like, that has been a that has been a journey because I've gone up, I've gone down, I've played with numbers, I've kind of played around a little bit. Um, but I, 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 it's really about it's it's really about the, it's about your worth, as you said. It's about what do you think that your product is worth? And I think that yes, for instance, I could charge a little bit more, but I just I don't feel like I need to because my my spirit is involved in the game, and mm. I want to be able to know that I can do a session and. I will make enough that my soul is happy and that, you know, I, I might not be going, yes, I got a thousand dollars. Like I might not be doing that. Um, but I know that my soul is happy and I know that that person still had to likely work to get the, the amount it took to do that shoe. Um, I think advice to young people would be go with, uh, try and see would be my advice. Try and see, try and try, you know, it, your first, your first run out of the gate might be you might you might ask for too much and then you'll realize very quickly that you're asking for too much um it's also smart to research it's smart to look around at other photographers and like when you're able to see what their rates are just start to look at the quality of work that you're putting out and what the quality of work that those photographers are doing and like start to kind of compare what your rate is in the mix with them because there are definitely in terms of headshots there's definitely like layers of there's like there's like levels of pay and like you you want to make sure that you are challenging yourself sometimes maybe you know don't be afraid to overvalue yourself a little bit um i say that and as i don't do it um, <laughs> um but like but you also want to I, I think something that was helpful for me was knowing that there were a few people that i shot at one point when i was trying to figure out rates a rate change actually there were a couple people that had booked with someone that was super super namey and for whatever reasons, they didn't work out. The session with them didn't work out or it wasn't in the books or something happened. And they came to me right after. And I started to realize I was getting sort of put in this category with these particular kinds of photographers. And I was like, well, you know what? I'm not charging nearly as much as any of them. Um, so <laughs> maybe I should bump them up. And I was like, no, don't bump up. Just keep yourself where you are because you're in a good, you're in a good coast spot where you can survive off of this if you need to, which is important. Um, and also you can um, you can still enjoy it because the, also the more money that you're that you're collecting, the more that goes along with that. There's mm -hmm. there's a lot more expectations that I think the people don't understand happen after the session. It's all fun during the session. All the craziness to me comes afterwards with the yeah. juggling of of actor anxieties and when are my pictures going to come and when am I had like it just become a lot of like ex inter it's a lot of exchange back and forth where in that session you were the only person alive you got all the attention you were you were pampered you were treated like the best person that you felt the most attractive that you felt in a while and then when you leave you sort of expect to still have that same treatment as if you're the only person but it's like no 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 you paid for the service during the session <laughs> now after you leave now I have to do that for someone else. Now I have to do that for someone else. So you are not the priority. You are in line in in order of in order of sessions, like everyone else. 
And also, we've established those boundaries beforehand. You know when you'll expect the photos. You know mm-hmm. when you'll get the edits. You know when this. So please read your information. That's actually, it's it's a really interesting conversation to be had because I totally understand where you're coming from about like being there for for the actors, the artists that need you. And I was having, I had a string of artists come into my space that were really abusing my time and my spirit. And I had a Mm -hmm. friend come in and I was venting to her and uh, Al Silver, who is a, um, a guest on your multi-hyphenate, a multi-hyphenate. So such a multi-hyphenate. And I was venting to her and she was like, you need to raise your prices. I'm going to raise your rates. Yep. Yeah. And sure enough, as soon as I did, I got a different caliber. There was a shift, a more focused and more respect, a a group of artists that respected my time. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I felt, and I found that to be really interesting because if your rates are actually too low, people will abuse that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, or, and the people that, and if they're too low, also you'll have a group of people that will say, why are they this low? Right. So they'll, they'll also go, what's though in their mind, they're also thinking what's wrong with you as the photographer mm-hmm. that, that your rates need to be this low because they were ready to pay, you know, a thousand dollars. So if you're, if you're 300 then they're going to go, well, wait a minute, why are you that? That doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah, that's, 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 that's true. It's like once you, and it's, I think to me, to me, it's finding that it's finding that middle ground of those things. It's finding that like sweet spot where you, where you're just a little, you're just over people's budget enough to be where they have to work to save for the session, but like still able to be um, accessible. My blood is literally boiling over the fact that that headshot photographer um, said that, but that's for a <laughs> that's that's mm-hmm. for a whole other conversation. So we talked about being an actress, we talked about being a photographer, but you're also a theater maker. What? How would you describe yourself as a theater maker? I dabble in writing a little bit. Um, I am developing work. I am. Uh, I feel like I'm I'm often in spaces where I'm getting to to chime in about the making of a piece or about the development of a piece, um, and in that way, I there is a part of me that at the end of the that you know in my later later years, if there's a point where I'm like I'm not I'm not performing anymore, where I would love to be an artistic director, um, and I think that like the I, the being able to curate theater and being able to commission theater is like very important to me uh, because I can see where there are spaces that I can see where there are spaces where voices need to be heard more. Um, And I know that some of those spaces, I might be someone who can, who can help to make, to facilitate that. Mm -hmm. Um, But in other instances, I can help, I can identify what that voice is that needs to be heard. And then I can somehow, I'd love to be in the position where I can then commission that work. So then someone can come in and do that work and I can make sure that they and their teams are paid um, for their work, for their work. Um, So like one of the things I'm working on right now is a play called The Women, um, which was something that, you know, initially it came out of it came out of me being asked to do a reading series situation. And 
I was asked sort of what plays am I interested in doing? And they were like, we'll pick one of them and go with it. Uh, and I threw out a couple suggestions and long story short, it, it came down to doing the women. Um, and then the more that I read the women, the more I looked into it, like just to re-dig into it, mm -hmm. the more I realized that it, what it was saying was not really what I felt like needed to be said today. And that while it was, while it was, you know, a piece, a certain kind of piece then, and is, and it is a certain kind of piece now, I just don't know that it's the most sort of, um, empowering for women to to send a message about you know this this woman who basically pines after the man who cheated on her for two years and then plant plots out something uh a coup to take down the mistress in an effort to get her man back to me that's just not like like no no leave him like he's, <laughs> he's done like yeah. you are the perfect wife and mother and you will still be that you can be that for someone else um mm -hmm. and so I think that, that that message was a little bit, it felt a little dated, which it was. Um, and so I started talking about, uh, with Roger Feather Kelly, who I had brought on to direct whatever the reading was that I was going to be able to do. Um, and Roger kept saying, well, El Morgan, what do you want, though? El Morgan, well, what do you want? What do you want? Well, what do you want to say with this? And it ended up, it ended up being a conversation about potentially creating something new. Uh, and then it did not work out with that series because of various reasons. And later, Raja had uh, been selected for a residency with Ars Nova. And so he mentioned to me um, if I would be interested in coming on to work on the women with with during that residency. He was able to bring in a few different artists to, to do whatever their work was that they wanted to make or do. Um, so we started the journey with the piece and like got together. Um, I, th I believe there were eight writers total. Uh, and just pulled together a group of people. And the question, the prompt was to tell us about the experiences of being a woman today or being assigned female today um, or being yeah, a woman or assigned female in some way um, today. And like what that means and what implications that has and what about expectations from society and what are gender things that people expect from you. Uh, and I thought it was very important to also have non-binary people in that mix, mm -hmm. a, at least a person or two, because there is something very specific and very um, necessary to hear about someone who was assigned female at birth who is not a woman. Um, and I think that's that's a it's an angle of the conversation that I don't think that we remotely hear enough of. Um, so I wanted that to be present in the piece as well. And that that piece ended up being not particularly non-binary, I thought, which was interesting. Um, but it was a beautiful piece. Um, and the pieces weren't necessarily they didn't have to be about that that writer's intersections. It was more a matter of I compare it kind of to if, if we got a room full of writers in a, in a conference room and just ask the question, the play was sort of each person's response to that prompt. Um, and it ends up being a presentation of the first step of the show. Um, I hope to continue working on it. I've definitely taken notes and things from that presentation. Um, and I'm really like excited to kind of see what comes from that. Um, I'm also in the developing stages of another play um, that I have not talked about anywhere. So exclusive. Um, I, I, I initially wanted to um, write this thing as a thriller for film, but it keeps screaming out to me that it should be a play. And I think that I'm going to try and play with it and see kind of what happens. Um, it is something that is, that speaks very, very closely to me and to my intersections. And I think that I have not seen anything like it. 
So I, it's one of those situations where, again, that voice is not out there and I know that it needs to be used and it could, it could end up being a film at a later date, but I think that the opportunity to make it a very small play would be just really useful. Um, yeah, I, I'm about creating space. I think that's the biggest thing is I want to be able to help to create as much space as possible. If I can take up all of the space I possibly can, I can then like be making holes and spaces for others to start to fill in around it. Whatever. I think it's important that like as we get into, as anyone that's parts of whatever underrepresented group, as we start to get into doorways, that we leave our feet in the door. <laughs> That we like make sure that like you were able to get in for whatever reason, amazing. So leave your foot in the door so that someone else can come in behind you and leave your foot in the door so someone else. I just think that's really, really important, um, which is also why I do The Circle, which is this uh, sort of talk show situation I've been playing with that I need to get more consistent with. Um, but that's the whole purpose of that platform is to bring in groups of people and have conversations um, about whatever we want to talk about. So I had a group of non-binary people in a room and we talked about a, ver a variety of things um, because so often when we are called into rooms, especially people who are parts of whatever underrepresented groups, people expect us to discuss only that. Mm. And it, the whole conversation ends up being just about those intersections and it it can be a little exhausting. So I, I want to try to create a space where people can just be people as well and just talk about like silly stuff, talk about first dates, talk about, mm. you know, their, their favorite kiss, talk about just random things that that help to tell you more about who a person truly is, because those intersections are just, you know, they and they influence who you are, but. They're just words. It's like, I want to know the rest of the words in the in the fishbowl. And we all, no matter what our journeys are, the the heaviness that we experience on a day-to-day -day basis, at the bottom line, we're all humans sharing some mm -hmm. of the most, you know, uh, innocent experiences like a first kiss or like, like a crush or like mm -hmm. our favorite Ben and Jerry's flavor. Like that is... <laughs> just as important as trailblazing absolutely <laughs> and speaking of trailblazing you know just to wrap up you know you're talk what you're talking about being the voice for voiceless or for a voice that hasn't uh been you know uh, centered yet sure so many people find that to be such a heavy uh responsibility or <laughs> such um or just such a big responsibility how do you feel about that what does that mean to you i acknowledge that there is a responsibility but i but i also acknowledge that I am only one person. Mm -hmm. And so it is not it is not my uh, mission or goal to take on <laughs> the entirety of of a particular voice because I can't. I can only speak from my own experience. Mm -hmm. and and for me, so much of the reason that I want to be able to help create space uh, is because I think that my specific um, situations or my specific kind of upbringings are, are examples of the voices that we are not hearing. 
Um, it's like, you know, people like I've, I've had this conversation with someone before and they were like, well, we've heard from black trans people or we've heard from them. I'm like, yes, you have, but you haven't really heard from black trans people like me. Like I don't see stories. I don't see my story anywhere. And so I, I want to be a part, a part of, of sharing that and, or of creating content that shares that that's a possibility. It doesn't need to be my own personal story, but stories that speak to my experience or stories that speaks to experiences of people who I've met who are similar. Um, but again, I, I don't take on the, I, I don't take on the responsibility of telling anyone's story, but my own, because I think that we get into very dangerous grounds when we try to be the voice for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, because no one's, no one can really do that. So it's, I, I want to be a voice and do my part in, in sharing things. Um, and, and hopefully the result of that is that even more voices are heard as well. And I, and I need to be in conversation with all those other voices to be able to show that mine is different. So I think it's, it's more about, like we said in the beginning, it's more about community. Ultimately, the community of voices together are what tell you a, a fuller picture of the, of the whole. L. Morgan, you are a joy. You are a, a you are such a light to have, and I'm so thankful that you are a, a part of the Dear Multi Hyphenate family now. Um, where can we find you on social media? I'm on Instagram at L. Morgan Lee. Uh, I am on Twitter at L. Morgan underscore Lee, I believe. Um, yeah, and lmorganlee.com. Easy breezy. Beautiful beautiful cover squirrel <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today thank you thank for, you thank you to stan for engineering Thanks, this episode and thank you to alan Britt, katie dory yo everyone at broadway podcast network and thank you for listening as always follow uh on instagram at dear multi hyphenate or at the michael kushner and you could always drop me a note on one of my social media handles or at Dear multi hyphenate at gmail.com. I'll talk to everyone soon. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. So much love to you. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Udom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot -E -E org because only together we rise.